Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. Welcome to this short series called The Baton, that God has looked in every generation for those who will embrace His wisdom be the message, and become the messengers of their generation. Could that be you? I pray it will be. Take a listen to these episodes and be provoked to go deeper in your personal process of real, true discipleship and sonship with Him. Love you all. All right, once again, uh, lean in close so that you uh, will not be distracted. Uh, by any of the noise here in my hotel restaurant. (laughs) So I'm so glad we're together here on Tent Talk today for the Baton 3.0. I want to read to you from one of the major uh, batons that was passed down to me about 25 years ago in my darkest season. You can read about that in my book, From Trauma to Trust, um, chapters 9 through 12. But this book, Ultimate Intention by Deverne Fromke, hit me at the place where I was at because I had to come to see that though I had been well discipled, um, I myself in my own uh, growth as a person growing up as the new person in Christ, uh, I had just not yet met this developmental maturity marker of really stepping into sonship. It's not that someone had done wrong by me. It's not that someone had been deficient in leading me to the Lord. It just simply meant that in a major, major season of transition where I was about to go uh, from a youngster (laughs) in the Lord uh, and into uh, real sonship, in that time of transition... Uh, by uncrucified and unjudged things inside of me, uh, I was uh, seduced. Now again, seduction is not about blaming someone else. It's about understanding that because certain things inside of me had not yet been dealt with, as the Lord went to deal with them, uh, something else came into play. Because whenever God is on the move, you can rest assured that hell has a counter move. And so it comes, and in that time, I fell for the temptation rather than passing the test, not of performance, but of simply dependency upon the Father. So after those very dark months, as God brought me back to life with Him, this book, this baton of ultimate intention, I had been sitting on my shelf for years, and when I had previously read it, I basically just got a headache, couldn't comprehend it, couldn't understand it, didn't even know if I needed it. (laughs) I'm sure you can hear the pride in that. But let me tell you, once I was broken, and I was at a place of seeing the filth of my own goodness and how pride had begun to wrap around me and sin in its delusional Hebrews 3.13 way, Uh, I was primed and ready to read uh, this book, and I highly recommend this 
because it's a part of the passing on of the true gospel, because the gospel is about what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit want, not what man needs initially, but what they, the Godhead, what they want, what they're after, what they are working towards, what they are bringing us to. And when that baton gets dropped by the church, uh, then what happens is we inevitably become uh, good, self-focused people. And the very call and assignment of his church falters terribly. But rest assured, he will come for her and he will deal with her as with his own. And I just wanted to read, and again, I hope that you're able to work through the noise here, but I just wanted to read this to you. This was written in 1963, so I just want you to understand it will sound like it was just written yesterday for our times, but remember that man's condition has not evolved. The only growth and depth and hope is Christ in us, the hope of glory, Colossians 1, 26 through 28. It is not that man becomes more highly evolved, more sophisticated, more educated, more intellectual, uh, more clever. No, this is not the case. All right, so listen carefully. This is an introduction by a gentleman named H.J. Stanley, uh, but it is about the book uh, Ultimate Intention written by Deverne Fromke says, throughout the world today, there is the echo and re-echo of revolution. Surely this is evidence of the crisis hour in which we live. A new day is on the horizon. We are now in the night, a time of political, social, religious, and philosophical shaking. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. We can expect shaking to increase in tempo and momentum until only that which is unshakable remains. But we need not be alarmed, for God has determined to build anew on His sure foundation, a foundation which cannot be shaken. For this reason, I believe it is time for a revolutionary note to be sounded in the church. You will recognize in this book such a note. Here is a challenge to reconsider some of the basic concepts which presently hold sway in evangelical circles. Careful observation will disclose that the philosophical appeal of our current evangelistic endeavor is essentially selfish. The church extends an offer that consists primarily of hope of gain and fear of loss for the individual. This suggests a get way of life. The fundamental of our invitation is for man to come to our church and get something for himself. Even our deeper life conferences are usually promoted on a man-centered level, which suggests participants may obtain Christian victory and more profound blessings for their own heart satisfaction. It has become difficult for our generation to understand the real meaning of sacrifice, and the poured-out life is considered visionary. The rugged Pauline altar to which the great apostle called men to come, suffer, and die has been replaced by the invitation to come to the altar and get over suffering. Our 20th century altars are plush and comfortable. One approaches them to get and not to give. We are past the point of revival. We have gone beyond the possibility of repair through reformation. Christianity must experience a vital revolution. 
The only solution to the problem of the church today is the destruction of the philosophy that is ruining it and the introduction of another theme, a true goal, the real touchstone, one that is ultimate and final in every sense. Let me ask, is there a new frontier of truth in the Bible that must be discovered to furnish the supreme challenge to lives of old and young alike? Is there a hitherto unpenetrated spiritual barrier waiting for a breakthrough in our generation? Is there an unveiling of truth with power to bring lives to a dedication to God so as to fulfill His purpose in a measure and to a depth that no existing philosophy, either religious or political, at present is able to do? Let the reader of these pages decide for himself. This book will unfold God's Word in a brand new light. There are keys herein that can unlock the truth and bring divine transformation and power to the inner life. I say can, but I do not guarantee such experience. The great spiritual work in any life is God's to do. It is His sovereign prerogative. To the readers, I recommend slow and careful study of the entire text. Evaluate and properly apply the meaning of words newly used in connection with divine relationships. Revolution is neither cheap nor simple. You are in for the inner battle of your life. May God give his people grace to apprehend this great truth. When Galileo's discovery finally and authentically gave the earth a new center, it caused the greatest scientific revolution that had ever been known. The writings of centuries had to be adjusted in order for this truth to become the basis for mathematical and astronomical fact. Thus it may be with much in our religious libraries when the facts of this book have gripped human lives. My friends, I can remember just getting stuck in the introduction and the preface to this book, much less the 20 plus chapters that followed. I have been reading it now for about 25, 26 years and am rereading it again because to come to the place of receiving the baton, that our life is to be God-centered, not self-centered, requires the power of the cross to work within us. This baton is not some self-help message that we are passing on. It is not my sympathetic heart towards you and others who are having trouble. It is a heart that has been given to me, a new heart and a new spirit. The Lord said he would give me. It's his heart. I don't just have a heart for God. I have the heart of God because of the regeneration and the new birth. This is what we must operate from because it is the heart, if you will, of Jesus himself. We have been born again that we might come back to their original purposes. Plan A is still on. This baton must be passed, but it must be known first. You see, this baton had to be passed to me personally. Personally, not theologically, not intellectually. Um, It had to be uh, passed to me because I was at a place where I needed as the author of this book would say, to be rectified, to be put right experientially, to have everything flipped, everything dealt with in such a powerful way. This is the baton of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I want to pass on. So I just wanted to share those few thoughts with you today. And as you can tell, we're in a family hotel. (laughs) 
And so this does not bother me. It's not like I have to, uh, you know, grossly apologize for the sounds of life, my friends that are around us. We need to get used to being able to focus in when the sounds of life are all around us. Whatever you're in today, I'm praying for you right now as I sit in Poland, as I'm getting ready to launch out on about four to five weeks of intense passing on of the baton here in Poland, Germany, Austria, Ukraine. I am trusting, my friends, that it pierces you, not because of my eloquence, but because of the power of the cross that's within these words. They are words, I pray, of spirit and life to you, to you personally. I want to pass this baton on to you personally. And then I pray it will be the baton of his gospel, of his truth, of his calling to every man, woman, and child to himself through the finished work of Jesus for the purposes of abiding oneness where the only production to his glory will ever come from. It is time, my friends, and this is the baton I pass to you today. I hope that you will take these episodes and you will pass them on to those whom you have influence with, that it might pierce you in such a way that you might want to build cultures of discipleship, that you might want to not just try to look to be um, a polished leader, an organized person, uh, whatever you once thought would be the epitome of your Christian life but that you would consider being his and being one with him as the, um, you know, as the crowning jewel, if you will, of our, of our life together with him. And that that church will begin to rise up, rise up in him, for him, with him. And I promise you him. That's really all I'm going to promise you that baton I love to pass on is that I say to people, I can't promise you all these blessings to entice you to go with him. I believe if he reveals himself, his absolute, almost terrifying beauty will be quite enough to bring you to himself. When he loves you in your darkest hour, filled with pride and your uh, self-assured goodness, When he comes to you, oh yes, with eyes of fire, when you encounter him, I believe then you will give yourself to him freely. I don't want you to just hear him and see him. I want you to hear him, see him, and then choose him for himself, for who he is. So there you have it for today, my friends. I love you all. Until next time. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.